Welcome to the Jazz Shapers podcast from Mishkondorea. What you're about to hear was originally broadcast on Jazz FM. However, the music has been cut due to rights issues. This is Jazz Shapers with Elliot Moss on Jazz FM. In partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. Listening colour. Welcome to Jazz Shapers with me, Elliot Moss, bringing the shapers of the business world together with the musicians shaping jazz, soul, and blues. My guest today is Gori Ahaya, CEO and founder of Upskill Digital, a company providing inclusive, equitable learning programs to empower people in the digital age. Working in digital advertising while leading a training campaign for Google designed to empower UK businesses with technology, Gori saw a need to offer a more hands on, personal approach to help people adopt digital tools to really grow their business. The idea simmered while Gory launched his first two companies, both using tech to engage people on a large scale. And in 2015, he founded Upskill Digital. Known for their large-scale inclusion programs for the likes of Walmart, Microsoft and HSBC, Gory's aim to drive more inclusive behaviours across organisations has led to global learning programs across Europe, Africa, Asia and the US, with Upskill Digital now having trained over 630,000 people. Not bad. It's very nice to have you here. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much. What's it all about, this Upskill Digital? I gave my, my intro, but in your own words, Gory. <laughs> it was a very powerful intro, so I really appreciate that, to be <laughs> honest. So Upskill Digital, look, we're a learning consultancy, but we build large-scale learning programs for organizations. You know, our real purpose, our real goal is to really tackle the skills and representation gap in business. So we build programs that help people feel more confident in technology and to be able to excel. So we have boot camps that get... People learning about data science and cloud engineering, get them into organizations. We do very specific inclusion programs for organizations to help their managers feel they can create more inclusive workspaces. And we have a learning platform. And that learning platform helps us scale the learning that we deliver, either on behalf of organizations or that we train ourselves with local communities and also individuals in organizations too. And this didn't exist eight years ago. No, the area in terms of training has been around for many, many years. Sure. But actually, but in terms business. of, no, we started, I started it eight years ago and uh, I had this idea. I actually taught myself to build a website and I was fascinated by, you know, what, what technology could do. But I was also frustrated. I found it really hard to find any training courses, training materials to be able to learn how to do it. So I thought, why not build a company that does that and hopefully build a company that makes its own money, which makes it easy for me too. And was the initial thing just about the digital skills gap and then did it become an inclusivity piece? Is that how it started or yeah. was it kind of both at the same time? No, it started with a digital piece. For me, I, was, I, I just recognised that there was a gap in, or there was a level of intimidation towards technology, you know, around 2018, uh, 2015. There was a stat at that time that really hooked me that said 35% of businesses didn't have a website. And for the most part, it's because they didn't feel confident in the tools to build one. They didn't know why they needed one. They couldn't harness the power of technology. And I thought, let's help them with my network of trainers that I knew to help them help them build that. But then it grew. You know, what I've realized is I start to solve problems that are driving societal progress. And inclusion came into it. We were doing some training trying to get some young, I guess, marginalized individuals into organizations with tech skills. And we saw some barriers. And this was, I guess, highlighted early 2020 when the George Floyd incident happened that really flagged that there were organizations that weren't investing in inclusion um, in their organizations at all so or anywhere near as much as they should have been so for us we we thought we can tackle the skills gap but if people can't get into jobs or people in jobs that are really high potential or high performing people can't progress because of the color of their skin or because of their background I run a learning company so I can educate people around this as well and that's for me that's where it kind of drove that need to, to build in that space too. You mentioned the George Floyd 
moment, and that was, was it 2020? 2020. Yeah. It, fe- it feels like yesterday, Gory, and that's the, the weird thing about these seismic things that happen, whether it's terrible war or whether it's an incredibly, uh, an awful event like, like that. For you, you said it, it was a, a catalyst, or were things already in train? Was it more of a, a thing that said, you know what, I need to move quicker on the thing I'm already thinking about? Was it that, rather than it sparking the initial thought? It was definitely a catalyst. Um, I mean, we've been running training programs specifically for ethnically diverse individuals in organizations to progress for about maybe six months or so before that. And I was running a workshop for a large tech organization. I was on my third session. Sorry, the day before my third session is when the George Floyd incident happened. And I was about to do a session. I had to navigate the organization to progress, to be able to, to, to grow. And when that incident happened, you know, this was, a, this was a huge shock for a lot of individuals. We were familiar, as a black individual, I was familiar with these things happening across the US. It does happen. But the way the world kind of banded together to say this isn't right, really, you know, it changed the shape of the conversation I was going to have. I was about to walk into a room with a number of people or virtually because of the pandemic to talk a bit about how do we navigate an organization where we're talking about a murder that just happened very recently. And the catalyst for me was that I could help individuals, employees feel confident in their skills to be able to take ownership of their career progression. But there was a bigger challenge here. They can't progress unless their managers knew how to help them progress and have better career conversations. So we built a whole curriculum around helping managers feel empowered equipped, enabled, educated around the challenges that certain individuals in their team face to build a more inclusive space. So that was the catalyst for us. We built a whole, a very, very large uh, curriculum. And what we also recognized is a lot of organizations were just running unconscious bias training. That was the only thing they thought they needed. And we said, actually, you can go role-specific, level-specific, and help people feel equipped and make it relevant to them so they can open the doors and make the workplace a better place for everyone to work in. The way you describe it, it's rational, it's logical, it's methodical. I imagine, though, your emotions at that time were none of those things. How did you and have you channeled your own personal feelings about inequity? And we're talking about one, one horrific incident then, but we're talking about years and years and institutionally issues. How have you managed to positively channel what must be frustration and anger into something so programmatic and so calm? Yeah, well, I think that there's two sides to that. So for me, I, I like to solve problems in a way that helps it scale. And to be able to scale, you need to be do so in a way that's modular, that is easy to digest. And, and, and that's where when you're thinking about learning, you can't just go out there and shout about your problems. You need to help people be educated on them and progress. I guess there are two things that, that, that really got me thinking clearly in this space. Firstly, you know, I just had a kid around this George Floyd incident and, you know, a little baby girl. And when I start to think about what her future is going to be like and the responsibility that I have to be able to shape that, it really got me thinking what I've got to do is really invest all my energy, my efforts and the skills that I'm blessed with to, 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 to create this. And that's why with Upskill, I start to think, let me invest in that space as best as I can. The other big thing is I, I, I love breaking stereotypes and I love trying to break systems. And I, there is a huge system of oppression that exists in organizations where, you know, there's certain individuals that, that make it to the top. And for them to make to the top, other people really should stay where they need to stay. And I, I wanted, I felt really excited about breaking that. But to break a system, you need to understand the system. And that's understanding how do you make the right kind of impact in the right places with the right kind of learning and target the right kind of people to help you drive that change. So that's really, for me, what allowed me to be very focused in that area. The emotions are still there. I mean, that's, what, that's the energy I get. And that's the passion I get to drive that energy that helps me do what I do on a daily basis. But realistically, to really make impact in an organization, you need to show value. You need to be able to show that what you're doing 
can be scaled and that what you're doing can help people achieve what they want to achieve. You have to be very methodical about how you do that as well. So that's what's allowed me to, to navigate this in a, in a more logical, logical approach. Stay with me for much more from my guest. It's Gory Yahai. He'll be back in a couple of minutes. He's the founder of Upskill Digital. Right now, we're going to hear a taster from the Mishcon Academy digital sessions. They can be found on all the major podcast platforms. Mishcon Derez, Martha Averly, and Matt Robinson talk about equality, diversity, and inclusion with regards to recruitment and how employers can recruit in a fair but diverse way. The Mishcon Academy digital sessions. Conversations on the legal topics affecting businesses and individuals today. Another way to try and improve diversity is to look at having a less formulaic or rigid process when considering applicants for a role or for promotion. So not just focusing on specific educational qualifications or attendance at certain types of universities, but focusing more on the experience that particular candidate may have or or what specific traits that you feel are going to be required for that role and see if you can determine that through the process. I think it's also important for businesses to ensure that they are collecting data in their own business about the diversity of their current workforce and then looking at ways of trying to analyze that data, you know, finding areas of the business which may be less diverse and trying to understand a bit more about why that might be. Now, there are obviously other considerations at play from a legal perspective. I can't not drag it back to the law again, but you know there are going to be data protection issues and you've got to make sure that you're communicating to staff that you are going to collect that data and what you're going to process it for, but, but it can be very helpful. And then coming at it from another direction, but I think ensuring that you've got really good flexible working policies and compensation strategies to ensure that you know not only do you recruit in a diverse way, but that also that you can retain that talent and ensure that you still retain a diverse workforce all the way up to the top of your business. The Mishcon Academy Digital Sessions. To access advice for businesses that is regularly updated, please visit mishcon.com. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM. In partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. You can, of course, find all our former business shapers on the Jazz Shapers podcast. And you can hear this very program again if you pop Jazz Shapers into your podcast platform of choice. My guest today is Gory Yahaya, CEO and founder of Upskill Digital, a transformation and training agency. We can call you all sorts of different things. I, I quite like the variety. The family, your family, would have said, I imagine, Nigerian family, but you need to be a doctor. You need to get an ology. I read somewhere about you. You went, all right, I'll do chemistry, but... How much of the family has put you where you are today, even though they said go be a doctor, which is, you know, you, you hear that in Jewish families, you hear it in African families, Indian families. It's a pretty strong ethnic thread. You've got to get a profession. And there you were doing your own thing. But underneath it, I imagine there's a lot of family influence in where you are now. Absolutely. Look, I'm, I'm incredibly lucky. My dad is a bit of an entrepreneur anyway. So albeit, you know, the extended family were always like, we're only really going to appreciate you if you go down one of these professions. I was always excited by what my dad was going to build next. You know, he started his career in the film industry. So he, he was a filmmaker. He actually started one of the first production companies in Nigeria back in the 50s. And then did some filming due to the Civil War. And then he then shifted to, to running a pharmaceutical factory. And he's done lots of different things. And I, for me, I, I just love that variety. So what I try to get under the skin of is what can you build that can make money for itself, sustain itself, but also drive some impact in the world. So I, I'm fortunate, I never really had to battle 
that uh, need to kind of fit into the engineering, you know, become an engineer, become an accountant or become a, a doctor. But I ended up doing chemistry because that was where I was good at school, right? Uh, and the school system didn't really prepare you for the workforce. And that for me was one of the big challenges. I said, actually, what do I study? How do I get to, to do something that I feel I can build myself? And I started working for myself probably from day one at uni. You know, I started doing lots of work outside of uni. I then built my first startup after, you know, the day I left uni. Like for me, it was always about how do I kind of create something that I feel confident in that I can actually build and grow and that it can scale itself. So family's never been as much of a challenge for me, but I just feel it's now on me to be able to impact others and get them excited about what they can do without the pressures that mm. are around them. So the, the entrepreneurial piece, you mentioned I just started a business up, you know, when I got out of uni. That obviously you've seen dad do, do his thing and yeah. that, that's a big piece over there. But the I think I read somewhere about, you know, you weren't good at X, so you brought someone in. That lack of ego, that honesty about what, what Gory is good at, where does that come from? Has that always been there or have you developed it? I think it's come over time. You know, I feel very confident in myself in a lot of things and it isn't until you realise that you just don't have a habit of arms to do everything. Um, you need other people to come and help you, but you need more expertise. It's definitely one of the parts that I find most difficult to handle, which is knowing what you're good at and knowing what other people can either be better at or help you be better at as well. So, yeah, for example, with my, with my first startup, you know, I, I started trying to help build the app. And, you know, and I thought, there's only so far I can go. This app isn't going to scale if it's going to be me building it. So I found somebody else who was a bit of a CTO who was able to understand what I needed to, to build, but also help translate to me the things that I really needed be translated into things that I could understand to help us build this properly and find the right developers and so on and so forth and to build it properly. Similarly in business now, uh, I feel, you know, every day I'm thinking, you know, do I have the right people, the right expertise around me to get us to where we need to get to? And reminding myself that that expertise will change over time as we grow as an organization. And I don't have it all. We're mm -hmm. fortunate to have scaled quite a bit since we first started eight years ago. Um, and I've learned a lot about what I'm good at. <laughs> I've learned a lot about what I'm not good at. And I'm lucky I have people around me that keep me honest and, and help me understand that I can also be vulnerable and mm. say what I'm not good at and they can kind of plug the gaps. Corey, what are you not good at? What am I not good at? Uh, <laughs> I struggle with finance, to be brutally honest. I, you know, that's an area that, albeit I'm very passionate, I like chemistry, I like data and stuff. When it comes to numbers, I really struggle. I think there's a big barrier there for me. So balance sheets and P&Ls and the rest of it, I try to get someone else who can do that really well and hopefully tell me story about data even better. Mm. You know, I'm always trying to hone my leadership skills. You know, I think it's interesting as a, as a founder, you're a visionary, right? You come up with great ideas, you get people excited and behind them. But as a CEO, it's different. When you're managing a company, managing a team and managing people around you and departments and, and that sort of thing, you know, those are skills that I'm always trying to hone and be better at, you know, as I grow. But you prefer being a visionary. Oh, I love being a visionary. Much more fun, <laughs> isn't it? Stay with me for much more from Corey Eyes, my business shaper today, founder and CEO. Let's not forget of Upskill Digital. I noted that you have not taken external funding. Many people I meet on their journey here on Jazz Shapers talk about the funding thing and how hard it is to raise. Why not? Um, so I think in my first startup and my second startup, you know, I really understood the barriers of raising money. And I sort of, I sort of said to myself, could I build something that was sustainable in itself that could grow without any external funding? Because then I feel like I've made it right? Then I feel like it's a strong enough product in itself that would grow. So I built it thinking, what can I do with the, the resources and the expertise that I have myself? And, and that's how we grew. So over eight years, we've been able to scale. We've got about 50 odd people now across multiple countries. Um, but it's not been easy. 
um, because with funding comes advice, comes guidance, comes, you know, the focus that you need to have. And those are sort of challenging pieces. But I raised funding on my second startup. That was difficult. It was my co-founder who went out there and got the money because, you know, for me as, um, as a black founder, you know, I immediately felt that I wouldn't be able to have the same conversations that him as a white founder would be able to well, have. Well, this is what I want to ask you. Is that because if you, yeah. you talk to all my female founders, they say 2p in every pound goes to women. Mm-hmm. From a black founder's point of view, I imagine the stats are pretty bad. Yeah, they are pretty bad. Still, in 2023. The dial hasn't shifted. Um, there is money out there, but for black founders, it's really about relationships. It's about networks, and often a lot of black founders don't have the networks that you need to be able to get that money. In my second startup, I definitely found that. You know, my co-founder had, he had better networks than I did, and I think some of the investors related more to him, you know? And, you know, I I, I find myself a fairly personable guy, and, you know, I had good conversations, and I, I was confident in our product, but I definitely felt in some of those rooms where we were talking about money and investment and whatnot, didn't feel like I was wanted. I didn't feel like I was respected. And it put me off massively, which is actually what sparked me wanting to build something on my own mm. that I could go as far as I could without needing any funding at all. Do you think that's actually made you double down, Gory, and go, Absolutely. you know what, I'm going to show you? Well, look, there's the, there's the whole, uh, you know, a lot of people that are from an ethnic diverse background will know that concept of working twice as hard, right? Getting your head down and really doing the hard work to be able to show that you can get there. And there are some great, great black founders out there creating some incredible products. And we double down. But the challenges are you do have to get your head above the precipice and basically show people what you're doing and build those relationships, right? And those relationships do form on people's bias. They form on people's, you know, want of wanting you to succeed. But yeah, having been through those situations in the boardroom with people that we did bring on as, as, as board members who were, you know, not as receptive, you know, perhaps, and, you know, we made the odd joke here and there that felt just a bit out of place, that made me feel like I don't want board members. You know, I want to build. I don't want to invest. I want to build it myself and see how far we can go with it. Stay with me for my final chat with my guest there. It's Corey Hyatt. And Steely Dan will be reeling in the years as well. That's in just a moment. Don't go anywhere. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM. In partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. Business Shaper. For a few more minutes. Um, and we have been talking about Stuff, I, I, I guess, uh, Gory, that I hadn't thought about in the context of raising money and, and, and your answer to that question makes sense to me. The downside of not having external capital, forget the money bit, as you said, is around the advice you might get from those people, the smart money that people call it. How have you managed to grow personally and professionally when it's you? when essentially the visionary looks in the mirror to the visionary and goes, right, Gory, what are we going to do? Have you managed to create a network around you of people that are mentors to you or, or advisors, even if it's informal and not behind the investments they would have made? Absolutely. Um, I've had to build what I call a bit of a personal advisory board, right? People that, they mean a lot to me. We share values. And they're people that believe in me to be able to grow. They're also people that are experts in their space. Um, so... When I think about what I need to help us to help grow upskill, to help grow any business that I'm, that I'm working on, you know, I've got people that are experts in marketing, people that are experts in sustainability, people that are experts in growth, right? Um, experts in people management. And I'm fortunate to kind of to have them around me, but I've also done a hard way to reach out to them and build up that relationship as well. Because like you said, when you don't have the money backing you, you also don't have the guidance, you know, the focus. You often, it's, it's in you. So, you know, I wake up in the morning and I get, 
super excited by the learner stories that we hear, people who've changed their lives in the learning that they've got through our programs, you know, people who feel inspired to become something different or become something more. That drives me. But as you shape a company to be able to scale, there are very specific things around business that you need to be able to, um, to feel confident in or have people help guide you. So, you know, my first two businesses, I never had a mentor. Right? I didn't, the concept of mentorship actually didn't really creep in until I started Upskill. Um, and then after the first few years, I was actually going to more events, more talks, listening to more people who you know, I was just inspired by. And then I'd reach out to them directly. I said, look, I loved what you said, you know, whether it was about marketing or whether it was about breaking to a new market. You know, could you tell me a bit more about that? And then start to build a relationship with them and mm-hmm. help, them tell, help them also tell our story, which for me was, was I loved. I think there's a thing that I always like to say, which is people always say, you know, it's not what you know, it's who you know. But I always say it's actually who knows what you know. And if you connect with people and get them to know more about your story, they'll either want to back it or they want to tell more people about it and then it'll grow in itself. And especially if we are driving a program that is genuinely trying to change the world, drive society in the right direction, drive the economy in the right direction, I want more people to know about what we do and help mm-hmm. us join us on that journey. And I like, I love that phrase, by the way, but I also like the fact that it is, you're still impact driven. It's what you talked about at the beginning. You're a board trustee at Founders for Schools, Mm -hmm. I think, um, a charity working to improve young people's career prospects and skills. Co-founder of the Digital Collective, a not-for-profit organization partnering with public and private companies in Europe to address digital skills gaps. You mean it. It means a lot to me. But you really mean it. I mean, that is your thing. It goes deep for me. Like I said, I wanted to build a world that I feel my daughter can thrive in. I want to break barriers for her to do so. But I also want to put the responsibility on businesses to be able to drive that change. They have the funds, they have the way to invest, they have the resources. So I do put the pressure on businesses to say either engage your employees, train them to help you you grow, but also look from a corporate social responsibility perspective, look outside, look to communities, help invest in them, invest in the way that's going to help them truly thrive, especially in such a rapidly changing digital world Mm. as well. So for me, there's, um, it runs deep. It runs deep and I, you know, I have, a, I have a lot more energy to give, you know, there's a lot more of me to come. So that's why I, I really try to make sure I get the right people around me to help grow this in the right way. And there's a long way for us to go. Good luck. It's been Thank great. You. It's been great chatting. Thank to you, you for keep, having me. Keep the pressure on. I can see it. You're like, he's smiling going, yep, there's a lot more where that came from. <laughs> Absolutely. You ain't seen nothing yet. Just before I let you disappear, what's your song choice and why have you chosen it? Yeah, I've gone for Alpha Mist. I love this guy. I saw him perform at Village Underground in, in, in East London. Such a, a cool, quiet, calm, collected guy. Um, the song's called Keep On. It's just the right kind of vibe for me, and I hope this will help everybody enjoy the rest of their day. With Keep On, the song choice of my business shaper today, Gori Ahaya. He talked about the driving force of shaping a future for his daughter, and that's why he does what he does. He loves breaking stereotypes and systems, and boy, do you need to do that if you're a founder. He talked about the founder's role as a visionary is great, but actually being a CEO is different. And I think that's a really important distinction. And finally, his take on the aphorism, it's not what you know, it's who you know. He said it's about who knows what you know. And that's all about driving advocacy for your business. Great stuff. Have a lovely weekend. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM. In partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. We hope you enjoyed that edition of Jazz Shapers. You'll find hundreds more guests available for you to listen to in our archive. To find out more, just search Jazz Shapers in iTunes or your favourite podcast platform or head over to mishcon.com forward slash jazzshapers.